0: Stories from California Cattle Country is produced by the California Cattlemen's Foundation and receives support from the California Cattle Council. We've created this podcast for those wanting to connect with the people and practices of far-flung ranches and dairies in California through hearing stories from and learning more about the families and cattle country. One of my first ranch visits was in Modoc County at the Likely Land and Livestock Company. At the time, I was an employee of the Cattlemen's and was, let us say, wet behind the ears which turns out to be an idiom referring to amniotic fluid not yet dried behind the ears of newborn farm animals. The more you know. Likely is nowhere to board, so on that trip we stayed in Alturas, which was about 20 miles north. Alturas is the largest incorporated town in Modoc County, and the county seat, despite having a population of around 2,500 people. To my knowledge, there's three lodging options in Alturas. I've always stayed at the Niles Hotel. The Niles was completed in 1912. The first floor houses a saloon, restaurant, and coffee shop. The second floor is where most of the active guests stay, as they all have private bathrooms. The third floor rooms have shared bathrooms and seem to be seldom used. The building absolutely drips with history, with the dining room still sporting bullet holes in the ceiling. And despite rumors, it's not all that haunted. Okay, it's it's a little haunted. Mike Byrne owns a cattle ranch in Tule Lake, which is about an hour northwest of Alturas, near the border of Oregon. Rather, I should say that the ranch is the border of Oregon, with the north side of his east-west driveway residing in Oregon, with the other side in California. Up until right around 1900, the valley was a lake, hence the name Tule Lake. Most ranches I visit seldom have soil as rich as Tule Lake. The area is known for producing potatoes, onions, horseradish, mint, and most notable to our members, hay. In fact, Most of the traffic you see on 139 are southbound truckloads of agricultural products. In the morning, we headed west on 299 from Alturas and then north on 139 traveling about an hour, meeting Mike Burns at an interchange where he's waiting in his silver Toyota Avalon. Here's a bit of a tangent. The evening prior, while we were having dinner at the Nile Saloon, I quipped about how complex the directions I got from Mike were. Mike is a talk-on-the-phone kind of guy, where I prefer emails and texts. Directions included instructions like, when you've seen the overpass, you've gone too far. You need to make a U-turn and turn left at the road. And then when I asked what the name of the road was, he said, the road doesn't have a name. A patron at the bar laughed and said, that's how we give directions in Alturas. In actuality, the directions couldn't have been more simple. I made a total of two turns before finding Mike in the aforementioned Toyota Avalon. How you doing? How are you? Good. Thanks for meeting us out here. (laughs) This (laughs) This is <laughs> my first time ever seeing a rancher not in a truck. When I mentioned this to him, he gestured to about a dozen trucks of all shapes and sizes on the ranch and said, I have lots of trucks. Apparently the car belonged to his wife, and when he upgraded. It was bequeathed to him. I'm almost entirely positive it hasn't been washed since. Mike is about 70, wearing Wranglers and a tucked-in Ariat button-up shirt. When he gets out of his car, he swipes his baseball cap for a white brimmed cowboy hat. Mike's a bit notorious about his papers. The dashboard of his car is stacked with them. On our visit, he presented us a photocopy of a deed for the ranch signed by the then-president of the United States, Ulysses S. Grant, to one James Miller, the original owner of the ranch, who was later killed in the Modoc War. We drove down the ranch driveway where Mike stopped to show us the survey marker delineating where Oregon begins and California ends. The ranch has an impressive house, which was completed after thirteen years of construction in 1913. Mike lives in a more modest home next door. The ranch house is maintained for family functions and historical preservation. There's toys like Lego on the floor, and artifacts like framed photographs, magazine covers, and family mementos on the walls. Mike presents us with a framed display of bullet casings, spent rounds, and even a U.S. cavalry bit boss, which you'd see on the cheek of a horse in the cavalry, all from the grounds of the Modoc War. For my part, U.S. history was a class I had in eighth grade. With Mike Byrne, it's part of his personal history. It's part of his lineage. Events from over a century ago, related to him through storytelling and artifacts, have directly affected his life's trajectory. The Modoc War was waged between the native Modoc people and the U.S. Army, taking place in 1872 to 1873. Kintipus, also known as Captain Jack, not Sparrow, led warriors in a band of over 150 Modoc people who left the Klamath Reservation where they were sent earlier and had difficulty settling in. They occupied defensive positions throughout the lava beds south of Tulu Lake, using the lava tubes, or caves, for protection. In April of 1873, at a Peace Commission meeting, Captain Jack and others killed General Edward Canby and a reverend attending the meeting, thinking it would deter future settlements and make the troops go home. Actually, in the drive to Mike's Ranch from Alturas, runs through the town of Camby at the intersection of 299 and 193, which is named for the general. After the murders, the Modoc fled back to the lava beds, and it didn't end well for them. Captain Jack and three of his confidants were captured and eventually executed. Roughly 500 of the Modoc people remain today, some in the Klamath Basin and others on a reservation in northern Oklahoma. In this episode, we tour the Klamath Basin with Mike Burns and discuss the storied history of one of California's most remote and wild places in Tule Lake. I'm Ryan Donahue, and this is Stories from California Cattle Country.
1: My name is Michael Byrne. I'm the current owner of this ranch because most of my ancestors are deceased. It's been here since the 1900s, and uh, they started out down by Monterey and some of it, and then my grandfather was sent here by his uncle, and then his uncle showed up and took over Carr car, Jesse Carr, and Bill Dalton was in charge for the most of the time, but they're all deceased, Bill Dalton, and all those guys are gone. Right now, it's my brother, my son and my daughter and I running the ranch, Matthew and Brianna and Mike. We have pretty much most of the land that we always had. We've been doing registered livestock forever and when most of it's marketed over the videos and that's where how we sell our cattle some of them go to the auction depending on what's going on.
0: And if, can you explain just uh, for people where we are exactly it's a very unique place in the state of California um, so just a little bit just about the building we're in but also just the property itself.
1: Well. Granddad came here January 1st, 1900. Jesse Carr was here before him. Where we are in this building right now was still underwater in 1900, so he had to live way up towards Clown Falls. But all the land out there was open back then, and so Jesse Carr went around and found all the good places with water and springs and, and bought them and got title to them before the government took over and made the BLM and the Forest Service. So we got land out sort of in the middle of nowhere. And then we got this piece. It's, now it's pretty good, except for the water situation is sort of poor this year because of bureaucracy is all I can say. So they've pretty much shut our farm water off. But we've been pushing like heck to get all the crops in early this year so we'll have enough hay for the winter
0: i live in sacramento i live in a in a neighborhood around a bunch of houses and when there's water situations largely the only the extent that we experience them is people say don't water your lawn as much or take shorter showers and things like that can you like communicate what happens when you because it's they actually it's it's what i'm saying is like they don't turn our water off ever right but um, sometimes it seems like the bureaucracy can kind of come around and just shut it off. What, how does that affect your operation? Well,
1: the stuff around the houses is out of our own wells, small, you know, domestic wells. The, the main amount of irrigation in this valley is out of Upper Clambs Lake, which is 30, 40 miles away. And this year they decided that they didn't want us to take any, so pretty much all the canals are empty. So... You've got to scratch and move and figure and how you can transfer water and put it in a different place than normal. Some fields are just plain dry. There is a drought program, but they said if we don't turn the water off, they're not going to give us drought money. So a lot of guys just said, okay, I'll take the money because you can't farm with no water. You can't have a crop. So we're in sort of a hard position right now.
0: You're saying that, uh, you were saying that this has to do, some of these regulations are, have to do with preservations of of uh, fish, is that right?
1: Threatened and endangered fish. And if they go through the Bureau facility, they consider them threatened and endangered. If they come out through a different facility, they're not. Because the government is in charge of taking care of threatened and endangered animals. And that's one of the main reasons, but It's sort of ludicrous to us that we've been doing it for, whatever, almost 100 years, and we haven't really impacted the fish very much at all.
0: It was an article from, like, 2008, and it was talking about your late brother Dan received an award, and I think it was, you know, based on, like, conservation. We're in a very unique area in the state. Just a little bit about how the land is here and then also the kind of animals that you you see and that, that thrive uh, in the area, like I, we were, I saw a great horned owl, which is not something I get to see very often. So I was like quite excited about that. But and you have a ton of bird life.
1: The writing's always been on the wall. You got to take care of the environment, and you got to take care of the wild animals, the deer and the antelope, and anything else that comes by, wild pigs or turkeys or whatever. And we've been real conscious to take very good care of those, so that it doesn't adversely affect our business. You just got to think a little bit. You know, a lot of people don't ever experience what we are, that they don't have their hands in the dirt like we do. So they don't understand, but we understand that they can put us out of business if we don't do the best job we can taking care of every animal that comes around here. Um, You
0: mentioned that uh, one of your partners in this operation is your son, Matt, and and your daughter also is is involved, but... reading about it and matt used to be the executive vice president of of the cattlemen's association probably 11 years ago now something like that he's also involved in sunfed which is a really big operation and in looking Looking at your operation and looking at their operation, uh, just as far as outreach and marketing goes, they're very, very different, right? So I asked you on the phone. I'm like, do you maintain a website? And You're like, no. But yeah, SunFed. When I was going there, I mean, you know, they they partner with uh, the kitchen restaurant in Sacramento and use Kelly McCown to do all these recipes and stuff. Can you delineate the difference between the two the two ranches that way? Is there is there a need for that moving forward, or is it is is everything working just fine?
1: Well, it works really well. He's in the wholesale marketing of, of uh, processed food already I sell live animals so I'm got to keep my animals healthy and make them gain and stuff to where the buyers have a desire for them but I'm not in retail like he is at all so I don't think that having a website would really benefit me because I don't sell to individuals I sell truckloads at a time and mostly in auctions which we've been doing for 30 40 years
0: What's Matt's role here when he's at, at this ranch?
1: He's the co-manager, and he he does a lot of stuff. He's really good with planning. Like today, he's on the coast loading trucks, and he'll be here by tonight. He's, he bounces a lot more balls in the air than I do. We're in the business, and we've been in it for several hundred years or better, trying to keep the ranch going, making what people want to buy.
0: Actually, that was the the, the last... Actually, th- we have, like I said, overarching themes and we often talk about conservation. We often talk about uh, water and obviously like predators and stuff, but, but uh, uh, legacy and succession is always like a big, a big part. Everyone I talk to for the most part say, you know, we gave our kids a choice, whether they are part of the ranch or not, they can go and do something else, you know, they want to live in the city or whatever. But uh, for the most part, people come back. Do you guys, uh, how, how's your confidence level in, in the ranch going on in the future generations?
1: Oh, that's 100%. They were very much into it. You know, I'm president of the Resource Conservation District in this valley for the last 40 years. Part of my whole, whole focus is to do things right so that we can stay in business and give the people what they want to eat, but at the same time taking care of the environment and all the needs that are there.
0: The fact that this ranch actually exists in two states, can you... Just explain that, and if there's any kind of difficulties or benefits to, to actually existing in two states.
1: Well, it was put here by my ancestors. I had no say in where this place was started, but it's, it's in the bright spot because we, we can comply with California law. We can comply with Oregon law. Sometimes it's better to use one state law over another state law, so we do whatever is the easiest and most easy to comply with. You know, Oregon and California are just like night and day as far as their regulations. So you got to be on top of that so you don't get in trouble. But there's benefits to both states, and if you know them, you can use them.
0: Um, I want to thank you for inviting us into your into your home and and talking with us and, and fielding so many calls for me.
1: Well, thank you for coming up. I appreciate it.
0: If you'd like to see visuals from our visit, including videos of the drive from Alturas to Tule Lake, visit www.calcattlecouncil.org. We shoot a gallery of photos for every visit. If you're interested in visuals from our travels, visit our Instagram account, at Country. We love feedback. If there's anything you'd like to hear from stories from California Cattle Country, you can contact me directly at ryan at CalCattle.org, or leave comments on our various social media posts. We'll be back in two weeks.